Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. We will be spoiling the current episode that we're talking about and previous episodes, but we will be spoiler free of details from future episodes. I'm Jason, and if Buffy's thinking about me, does that mean that all that I am is in her? Do I even exist? Do any of us exist? Dude, fuck you. That was the bit I was going to do. I was... Well, whatever. I don't even see how this is about me, so I'm leaving. (laughs) That's honestly more on point for you. (laughs) And I'm Harrison. I I literally... I was just going over like, okay, what does Oz say? Like, uh, fuck it. All right, Jason, what episode are we watching? We are watching season three, episode 18, Earshot. This is the one where Buffy has a run-in with demons and their blood makes her telepathic. Yeah. Accurate. Um, oh, excuse me. Sorry, so unladylike. Uh, Earshot was written by our girl, Jane Espenson, uh, and directed by Regis Kemble. Um, and originally aired on September 21st, 1999. Now, listeners, that may sound strange, because when last we left, I believe we were mid-March. Um, but Earshot was originally scheduled to air, um, the, the original week it was supposed to air was one week after, uh, the Columbine shooting. Oh, for some reason, and I don't know why, I thought that it was the season finale that aired later uh, um, that got delayed. You're right, actually. Um, okay. The The season finale got pushed later into the summer uh, due to some events that happened in that episode, which we'll talk about in that episode. Um, Stick with us. And uh, this episode, I think that one aired in, like, July. Um, and then, yeah, this one didn't even air until September. Um, like a week before I think season three or season four was supposed to start. Um, so yeah. This... And given this episode's content, you can see why. Yeah. Um, Jane does a, uh, there's a commentary with Jane Espenson and she talks about that. She was, she was talking about like, um, yeah, some of the stuff we deal with in this episode that would have been so fresh. Um, so she was like, yeah, I think it was right that we pushed this. Uh, back a little to when it wasn't quite as um, uh, triggering for people. And of course, that was in 1999. Um, in 2020, just it's... Yeah, there's a very uncomfortable line mm-hmm. that uh, Oz says where it's becoming trendy. Yeah, and uh, they didn't even... I'm like, oh, it's That, that line is... Yeah, it's so upsetting. And it, what's even more upsetting about it is like, it's all upsetting, but like, they didn't even know, like, that line. They had no idea what was what yeah. was coming. Um, and, yeah. Um, so, how about we play the intro music? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Jason. What are you drinking? I'm just having a glass of Pinot Noir. Very nice. Very classy. (laughs) Thank you. Classy is what I aim for. (laughs) Um, I'm drinking a Manhattan that I made myself. Ooh. Yeah, usually I make John do it. 
I think you've made me a Manhattan before, though, and I, it's not a drink that I have often, but I I don't remember hating it, so... Yeah, I like Manhattans. Um, I just, yeah, they're not hard to make. It's, it's a shot of... Uh, it's like a double shot of bourbon, like a shot of vermouth, and... Um, oh, I... I've actually usually put some bitters in there, but I forgot to do that, but that's okay. Uh, and then a cherry. It's an easy drink, um, but I just prefer to make John do things for me. <laughs> I literally will be like, John, will you go make me a drink? And he's like, you can do it yourself. And I'm like, but it tastes better when you make it because you make it with love. And he's like, fuck you. Can verify. I've actually seen this happen in person. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. <laughs> Um, fine. He makes it with spite, and I think spite makes things taste good too. Love spite; it's all the same to me. <laughs> you get some real bitters in there. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, Jason. Uh, it is your turn to lead us in a toast. All right. Um, you know what? I'm gonna try to like stick a little more to the episode in this case, but uh. Here's to the people who feel like they aren't heard, and mm-hmm. uh, we hope that uh, you know that there is somebody out there that's willing to listen to you. Agreed. Cheers. Cheers. So I just want to say, since we're like kind of brief touch- touching on that subject real quick, uh, right off the bat, ooh, wow, that's stronger than I expected. Um, all right. <laughs> um, right off the bat, uh, Danny Strong fucking kills it in that yeah that that, scene that that scene seems fantastic um um yeah this is kind of like the uh i think this is the moment where jonathan stops being a character that is just there i think he leaves the impact and um he does uh slight spoiler alert he becomes a little more important later on Mm -hmm. in the series um but uh yeah this um this is kind of like the first time that he's truly featured mm-hmm. in a, in a in a significant uh, part of an episode. So, yeah. Jane uh, Jane Espenson talks about on the commentary that there was you know, they picked him because he had made enough appearances that he was recognizable, um, but he was still a minor enough character um, with that like this, um, you know, they wouldn't be infringing on previous characterization or anything like that they kind of had a bit of a blank slate to work with uh with jonathan and um there was some nervousness about whether or not um danny strong who's as you mentioned his role up to that point had been largely to just exist um if he was up to it and I, I would argue that he was very much up to it. And of course, we've talked about Danny Strong on here before. He's gone on to do so much, like, um, work both as an actor and as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most um, successful, like, Buffy alums out there, give or take a David Boreanaz, <laughs> who has literally not been a series regular, a series lead on a TV show since 1998. You mean like he he's he's been a series regular on a TV show since 1998? Yeah. Okay. He went. Yeah, he was promoted to series regular for Buffy in '98 for season two, of course, and then he went straight from Buffy to Angel. He went directly from Angel to Bones, 
and he went directly from Bones, which lasted like 12 years or yeah, something. Yeah, I always forget how long Bones lasted. Um, to the whatever CBS show he's on right now. And I think he's the lead on that, too. Um, I believe it's... SEAL Team? SEAL that... Team, yeah. yeah. I was thinking like Navy SEAL? No, that's not it. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing about this episode is that um, it's got... it's it. We see the return of some... Of some other uh, previous Sunnydale students that have had mm-hmm. a little bit of characterization to them. Uh, Percy's back. Percy! Um, yeah. And um, the uh, the guy who... Um, Larry? Who's... Yeah, Larry. I, I never remember his name. I'm sorry, <laughs> Larry. But yeah, Larry's back. And um, it's nice little nods. And we are getting close to, as we mentioned last week, we're getting close to not only the end of season three, but the mm-hmm. end of high school of the high school part of Buffy and uh so yeah I think it's um this episode and another ep- and a couple more episodes in particular uh are kind of focusing on this high school environment like bidding mm-hmm. it a little farewell um yeah. but who is not in this episode even though their uh their actions from last week have are discussed at length are both the mayor and faith mm-hmm uh, but so Buffy is, uh, we're starting off, um, unless you had anything else to say pre episode discussion. Yeah, All I right. Um, uh, actually, sorry, I do. I think I just wanted to say, I think one cool thing about this episode, um, because it has, um, I would say two pretty distinct tones. Um, it starts off pretty comical, um, and then, uh, takes a much darker tone later in the episode. And I was, as I was watching it today, I really noticed I was, it, the tone of the episode um, follows Buffy's trajectory throughout the episode. At the beginning, while Buffy is kind of high on this new power that she's got and like kind of loving it, is we're, we've got like a lot of the funny, the funny parts, and then yeah. um, as she's descending, yeah, um, the funny so parts, too does the tone. the funny parts yeah. don't really last that long though, because yeah. then the seriousness of the new power and the circumstances of the episode uh, start uh, start taking effect. But uh, while we're starting off, um, Buffy is fighting these two demons that look like imperfect Cell from Dragon Ball Z, and uh, <laughs> like minus the tail. Thought, um, it, I think just because it was on my mind, I because uh, I watched it recently. I mentioned in our last episode, I think that I just got the Blu-ray for uh, Doctor Who series 12 um, and I've been I've been watching it and um, I thought they kind of looked like the monsters in uh, the uh, the second episode or it's actually the third episode it's after the two-part opener um, where they're at the like the resort oh um, yeah and it turns out to be on earth and it's that kind of same like albino kind of humanoid monster um, yeah, to me, thing. like the, their heads have the same shape as Cell does when he's in his first form, his imperfect form in Dragon Ball Z, and uh, they just kind of look like the deep fried versions of that. <laughs> What's this character's name? Cell, just C E L L. Yeah, okay. if you want an image, type in imperfect Cell. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm googling this now because I'm not, I've never been a. Uh... Never really been a, a uh, never been a Dragon Ball Z person. Ah, yes, I see. I see what you mean. It's yeah. like the head, especially. Yeah. 
Yeah, the um, only thing that they're really missing is the tail and, you know, the like the outer layer of skin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Buffy's fighting these demons and uh, they don't say anything because they don't have any mouths. Nope. And, uh, I hate that. Hate that. Yeah. But yeah, one uh, one gets away, but Buffy's able to kill the other. Uh, really cool. Um, she like tries to stab one. They take her knife away, and then they throw it at her, and she catches it. That was badass. Yeah. Um, but as I also she... love her strategy of the uh, the 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 demons can never resist a good old trip and fall. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> I mean, there's there's decades of horror movies to back that right? up. Um, actually, when it, when she fell, I was like, "Come on, Buffy!" And then she did. She had that like grin and turns I was around like, oh, with okay. a smile on her face. She's good. She's good. She's she's got this handled. But uh, when she kills uh, the one demon, she gets some of the blood, which is like silvery looking blood mm-hmm. on her hand, which then gets absorbed into her. Uh, so I I guess that's important. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's not only the fact that there's demon blood on your hand, but the fact that it goes inside you. Yeah, the mayor would hate that. Not hygienic. Not hygienic. Like, he'd go through a whole bottle of hand sanitizer right <laughs> then and there. Um, uh, is that is that when, do we cut to the credits at yep. this point? Or, okay. Um, so pretty, yeah, pretty short, pretty, uh, uh, um, pretty just like to the point cold open like that yeah i appreciate you uh cold open of this episode um, and yeah like so the main story of this episode doesn't really focus too much on the mayor and faith this story that we've been developing over mm-hmm. several weeks now yeah. but the it, it does deal with the fallout of what happened uh last week in enemies yeah and uh so this is just as uh this is just as important uh, to the show, to the arc, as uh, the mm-hmm. other episodes are. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, the, uh, Scooby Gang's at the library, and they are. Uh, they uh, Giles says that he's been doing intensive research on the Ascension, and basically has found nothing. He's just ruled yeah. out that it's like, it's not the slaying. It's not the flaying of a. Uh, what is it? What's the demon's oh, name? Oh God, I can't. What was it? It's not a Catholic because that's the one from season two finale. No, it's, um, I was hoping the, yes, yes. Thank you, Wiki, uh, Buffy Wiki. The ritual flaying of the demon Azerath. Azerath. Um, it's not that. And that's the only information that he has. Yeah. And, uh, and then Wesley comes in, gives Giles shit for not having anything. And so Giles immediately says, well, with all the resources of the council, surely you found something. And Wesley says, well, concerning the demon. (laughs) And then they all just like get up and leave. So what I love about this is Wesley gets in a pretty solid burn. Yeah. um, At the beginning when he says, uh, Wesley's like, I'm just filling them in uh, with what i've learned and And wesley goes giles says that and wesley goes and what did you do with the rest of the minute and and giles just giles can't even like he's like (laughs) you got me he was like like, yeah that it's a has anybody ever 
just burned you so effectively you're actually speechless from it that has happened a few times for me and i hate it when it happens but at the same time and there's a part of my brain's like mad respect to that yeah i I can't i can't say anything he he literally just says touche and just walks away but then he gets you know he gets to get his snark back when uh when when Wesley fails as well, so good to know that Wesley's growing a little bit in the fact that he can, you know, get one jab in there. <laughs> you know, one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. We get a conversation between Buffy and Willow um, because Buffy is still feeling pretty insecure about uh, what happened, as you mentioned, with Angel and Faith, which very much makes sense because. Mm-hmm. And she's, she mentions that even seeing him pretend to be soulless hurts her because yeah. that's... How fucking traumatic. Like, yeah, I'd say that that's probably the most traumatic point of her life, most traumatic event in her life to this point. And that includes her dying. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, she also... Yeah, so there's the trauma of that. And then she also... You know, she knows that Angel and Faith have a lot in common. So there's also this kind of, um, uh, this insecurity of like, well, you know, maybe he would like her more. Um, he's like, he, she, she mentions when, um, she, he saw her ki- Angel kissing Faith and, you know, it didn't look horrible. To which I'm like, oh, really, Buffy? Kissing Faith didn't look horrible to you? <laughs> I think she was just jelly. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a little bit of jealousy going both directions. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> and Willow got ever, ever the good friend. Uh, just dishing out solid advice is, it's almost the same exact advice she gave her. Yeah, just ask him about uh, it. Yeah, talk to him about it. And, uh, Buffy's like, I know Willow. (laughs) This is a very, this is a fairly strong week for Willow, I will say. Oh, yeah. This, um, strong week. Yeah, it kind of gets, um, it kind of gets forgotten. Uh, mm-hmm. with everything that's going on, because I feel like this episode is just packed with details. Yes, absolutely it is. The story itself... Uh, uh, the story itself isn't How too... How unladylike. Hey, I own it. The story <laughs> itself isn't too... Um, intricate. Yeah, but there it's pretty are, simple. Yeah, but there are a ton of details with all these different characters being in there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's weird because we're just... It feels like for the past... Few, for a, a while now, we've mostly just been focused on the cast, the main cast. Mm-hmm. The the other residents of Sunnydale haven't had too much of an impact. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like since Gingerbread. Yeah, I think you're right. That um, That's the last, like big episode with like involving a lot of different people um and uh i think you know i like i like the that they're you know a lot of these characters are one-offs um but um it does add to that kind of agatha christie like who done it mm-hmm. uh or who who's gonna done it 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Who's gonna do it? And, Harrison uh, Kaufman, twenty twenty. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I really I enjoyed that. Um, and as you mentioned, we get the return of Percy here, um, who Grace and Jason found bland and forgettable, <laughs> and I find delightful. Um, <laughs> well, he's bland and forgettable in the first in his first yeah. appearance. But I really like how they utilize this because it's it seemed like following Doppelgangland that Percy is just gonna be afraid of Willow. Um, <laughs> but I think I like the relationship that they have. I like the it's fact that I like the fact that Percy's actually trying to work, do the work that Willow's telling her, Willow's telling him to do, and uh, Willow at the same time is also. She's. It seems that she's getting into athletics and sports for the first mm-hmm. time, and she's doing it to support Percy, and yeah. that's that's great. That, it's a that's sweet a wonderful friendship yeah. beat for these two. For this one, you know, obviously Willow is not a minor character, um, but you know Percy is, and so it is cute seeing this like little bond form between them. Um, and yeah, I like like Percy is, uh, according to uh, Hogan Washburn. Um, <laughs> That he is using uh, full sentences. There was a clause. Uh, Hogan and everything. Martin. Hogan Martin. You're thinking of uh, Hope of Washburn Wash from uh, from I, uh, Firefly. I absolutely am because John and I just fe- just started because uh, we just finished Angel yeah, and, and just started on Firefly. And I think so, his yeah. name is Hoban. H O B A N. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. make sure. Um, what I don't like about this scene is Xander. Once again, trying to placate... You could have just ended the sentence there. (laughs) (laughs) What I don't like about this scene is Xander. (laughs) Once again, I don't know why he feels the urge to act like he's friends with these popular people, which he has shown zero association with before. And you know what? If he had just been chill, it would have been okay. Because the guy even comes up and says hi to him. Yeah. If he had just if he just had a little more chill, he wouldn't have had to come off so needy, and he still would have gotten the exact same amount of respect he got from uh, Hogan, who seems like a nice guy. Like he really does, and he has a great he has a great line later in the episode <laughs> when we'll, Oz is uh, when Oz is him. interviewing him. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, and. Uh, Willows mentions that everybody uh, is going to the basketball game uh, after school so they could go cheer on Percy and uh, Hogan. And um, Buffy didn't know about it. And this is a... Um, yeah. This is such a strange... Hang on, let me get my wording right. This is a weird beat because I feel like it's not picked up or maybe... Um, it doesn't seem to have the uh, have the story heft that it does in both Homecoming and later on in in mm-hmm. a uh, in an episode that I won't name. But uh, Buffy feeling outside of the normal high school experience. Mm-hmm. It seems like they were trying to hint at that, but I, I don't feel like there's good follow through with it. Um. You know, it doesn't really bother me because it is a pretty consistent aspect of her character. It is. I don't necessarily it, need it to be like a 
a big story point. It's just, it just kind of there. Yeah, it just seems that at, at this at this moment they try to draw attention to it, mm. making you think that it's going to be a big story point, but in the end, that that's kind of forgotten in yeah. uh, it in with the uh, telepathy. Yeah. I guess though it does kind of um, it, it can it tie does tie it. in a little to the jo- to Jonathan's thing at the end. Yeah, um, it's just it, it's just a little bit of a messy tie in. Yeah, I yeah, think. I can I can I I can agree with you there. Um, I uh, have no other thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the end of my that's uh, the end of my thought. Yeah, Buffy is uh, her hand is itching where the blood was absorbed, so. She doesn't tell anybody except she goes to Giles and uh, he is able to find a book uh, saying that the uh, that the demon's blood when it infects her will give her an aspect of the demon. Mm -hmm. And this causes her to this causes a uh, a series of speculations from both her and the Scooby gang as to what that aspect might be. She just what is. Oh, go ahead. Uh, she just assumes that it's going to be a tail or horns or that awful skin. So out of all of the different uh, theories put forth uh, by various characters, which one is your favorite? Because I have a very clear favorite. I-, I think I know what your favorite is. Is it when uh, <laughs> Willow looks at Buffy and says, is- was it a boy demon? Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah that that is a clear favorite yeah i also there's this great beat here too when giles is telling her this and he's like you could be infected and he's like distracted by the the research he's doing and buffy goes infected <laughs> infected <laughs> giles and he just goes hmm, hmm. infected <laughs> um which, according to the commentary, was a bit of improvisation. Um, as scripted, it was just Buffy repeating the words infected three times. Um, but that, like, that interruption of Giles uh, was, like, improv But uh, And I think his dist- being distracted, it was like, they both of them improved that and Jane Espenson was ta- she was talking about it and she was like and it just made the scene work like yeah it just like that little that little adjustment just really at, at uh, this point brought that bit together at this point you you know that uh Anthony Stewart Head and Sarah Michelle Geller, you know that their chemistry is just oh, gonna be great off the fucking chart yeah like, so just trust that yeah I I, one of my favorite, like, it, you know, when you're talking about a show sometimes, you, there's always, like, like, characters who you just know that if these two characters are on screen just talking to one another, it's going to be gold. And for me, in Buffy, it's always Buffy and Giles, and 95% of the time, it's Buffy and Willow. Um, yeah, so I actually, uh, I actually recently uh, restarted watching Vampire Diaries. And uh, such a good decision. I forgot <laughs> how much I enjoyed this show. But uh, there's a pair. The, the, there are probably a couple pairs. Uh, but the one that comes to my mind is, uh, for those of you who are Vampire Diaries fans, is um, the friendship that develops between Damon and Alaric. And uh, 
it, it's just fantastic and it leads up to a really beautiful scene where like there's no reason that these two should ever have been friends but they end up becoming the best friends in the show i love that yeah i haven't seen the show but i love that damon is played by ian somerhandler i did know that and alaric and alaric is played by matt davis who is warner in the legally blonde movie oh okay i was like i don't know that name but um all right all right yeah um, it and they're both extremely good in this show and uh we, we and i told you uh ben's uh ben's theory on the vampire diaries and and the character of alaric saltzman that uh maybe that uh since he's played since matt davis played warner in legally blonde uh, he failed at law school dropped out changed his name and started becoming a vampire hunter i mean <laughs> that tracks which means that Legally Blonde and Vampire Diaries are in the same universe, which I am so down for. Yeah, that that's famously canon. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of the reasons why when uh, when we did Legally Blonde, the musical, I, I originally l- said on my audition sheet that I was interested in the part of Warner, just so that I could say, one day I'll be a vampire hunter. Oh my god. Um, I didn't get Warner. <laughs> you didn't. You, uh, you were... Emmett and that's actually kind of the funny thing is I auditioned uh I put on my uh, my audition form that I wanted to be Emmett but famously I'm only allowed to play uh like creepy baritone sexual <laughs> harassing villains well you know what they say art imitates life <laughs> you know though I'm glad I am glad that somebody give me uh, a point for that one <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I got cast as Callahan uh, you were absolutely fantastic a, uh, in a vocal range like thing like I would have really struggled with some of the higher end of of Emmett's stuff and so I just felt com- vocally comfortable in that role but also it's just such a fu- it's so fun to play a fucking asshole so guys i'm gonna give some praise to uh harrison here uh, uh we we both are it we both have done sh- we both have done shows together we're both uh, harrison's an actor and i'm a guy who does shows every now and again jason's um, also an actor <laughs> but uh uh one of the things i do like is revisiting um some of the shows that we did together one show that i love revisiting is legally blonde the musical and every time I see Harrison do uh, Callahan's big number, Blood in the Water, uh, in the first act of that, I, j- I just say, gosh, he's so good. Aww, you, you really yeah. are. Like, Thanks. you were just on point for that. And <laughs> yeah, so you've been praised. Uh, but um, the worst part of that whole experience, though, was um, the Legally Blonde uh remix reprise reprise when um when everyone had to sing at me which is my that is one of harrison's biggest pet peeves ever when he is in a show and he plays a character that is sung to i hate it's so (laughs) awkward it's so uncomfortable and it's actually really funny how often i've seen it happen well, you did it to me with the very first show Jason and I did together with Sweeney Todd where uh, if you're following the trend of how I get cast in things, I was the judge. <laughs> Guess who he was? <laughs> <laughs> but Jason played the Beatle, and the Beatle has an entire fucking song that he sings to the judge. And it's like, and I literally, it's just like a whole song where I'm saying, like, oh, interesting. Like, it just, 
in I, all know, fairness, you spend this, reacting. In all fairness, you spend the little scene before that song starts bitching about how your ward won't have sex with you. So, what was I supposed to do? It's real. You gave me really good advice. <laughs> but yeah, sorry guys, sorry about that. It's just sometimes we like to reminisce about the old days. Yeah. Uh, but we here we go. This is us getting back to Buffy. Yes. Um. But uh. Yeah, the Buffy, pep rally. Yeah, Buffy goes to a pep rally with um with the gang, and Willow's pretty into it. Xander is into it for all the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. and I love his interaction with Oz when <laughs> Xander's just going on and on, and he sees uh he he once again sees um for Wesley. some reason I kept wanting to say Alexis Denisoff. He <laughs> he keeps seeing Wesley eyeing Cordelia while she's doing her cheerleading routines and it's just like oh, god there he is giving those nasty adult Pierce Brosnan eyes at, at my Cordy <laughs> and after going on a whole rant about how the cheerleaders um uh, are so much better looking than uh Cordelia is and Oz says very complex man (laughs) (laughs) um oz also has a line uh later when they're talking about the cheerleaders because the uh, the cheerleaders are all introducing each member of the basketball team by spelling out their name and he says their spellings improve (laughs) (laughs) um also it just made me laugh because at one point you hear them it's not like the focus but one of the basketball team members name is just tom yeah so it's just t T o m Tom! <laughs> After you've got like Percy and Hogan. <laughs> um, hey, and you then, know what? Good um, for Tom. Good Way for to be Tom. a contributing member to that team. You deserve your praise. Um, they also talk about the uh, Chekhov's uh, school newspaper. And uh, because uh, Willow's complaining that the school newspaper has gotten really depressing and kind of morbid. And Oz just says, like, I wouldn't know. I just skip straight to the obits. Yeah, I. This is one thing I love about Oz: the fact that it more than anyone else, really, I'd say even more than Buffy, he has no interest in being at this pep rally. But he's there anyway, and I'm pretty sure it's because Willow asked him to. He's like, "Yeah, sure." Like he says later on in the episode, "I'm gonna follow the redhead." Yep. Um, and Willow's there to support Percy. Um. Which is a fun bit where she's also trying to comfort Buffy at the same time. And, like, her attention's kind of, like... Her attention is very divided. (laughs) Divided. And when they call Percy's name, she's like, oh, yay! And then she's like, sorry, I just, I have to support him. He's needy. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, Xander definitely gets a chat alert for going on and on about the cheerleaders. But uh, Oz gets a good boy. Good boy alert. (laughs) I just had an image of you petting Oz while he's in his werewolf form and being like, good boy, Oz, good boy. I don't know if he's a good boy in that form, but, uh, <laughs> no. but then again, he has done some good, granted, he did it unintentionally. He's done some unintentional say, good things. He's conveniently eaten the right people. <laughs> hey, that's important, form. damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this is when Willow has her, uh, comments. Oh, what if the demon was a boy boy. does Uh, not make buffy feel any better it doesn't and um so while she's patrolling i really love this uh the way the scene is shot with the mirror um, yeah how she's how buffy continues to check herself in the mirror to see if she's growing horns or fangs or anything and then when she closes her mirror 
it cuts to a shot where Angel's behind her, which, of course, she didn't see because, hey, he's a vampire, and vampires don't show up in mirrors, which also ties into her yep. attempted reading his mind later. So that, all in all, that was just brilliant right there. I love that, too, though. When he when he says that line where he's like, it's like the mirror, like the thoughts are there, but there's no reflection, I was like, okay, sure. Like, I, I would have been fine with... I'm a vampire. I'm immune, but I but I liked the poetry of it. So yeah, you gotta <laughs> it's just you gotta magic. suspend your disbelief <laughs> when you watch this show. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and uh, uh, and Angel says he, it, Buffy tells her tells Angel about all the things she's worried about, and uh, Angel says, "Hey, I'll still love you, even if you're covered in slime." <laughs> Everyone's doing a really bad job at comforting Buffy in this episode. Like, they're trying their best, but just, like, really missing the mark. Yeah. But then uh, we go back to school. This is a very school-centric episode. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, we go back to school, and uh, Buffy uh, shows up while the the other Scoobies are discussing the game, the... Wow, it was so cool and three pointer at the end, and uh, but then like, oh, you know what? Let's uh, it's Buffy. Like Buffy's here. We don't want to, you know, make her feel left out or anything, which is exactly what happens when Cordelia shows up. <laughs> I gotta say, one of the best things about this episode is that Cordelia has. It shows that Cordelia has no filter for her yeah. thoughts. Love she, it. which like she thinks something already... and then she immediately says it. Yeah. Which we already knew, but it's nice to, it is it is really cool to see that, like, one, to get, like, absolute confir- confirmation, yes. But yeah. also to just to see that in action. And even the way, like, it's done really well where, like, she, what she says isn't, like, word for word what she's thinking. Like, it does, you know, it varies, but it's an aesthetic thing. Like, the, uh... The, the the meaning is exactly the same. Right. Love that. Um, but then uh, Buffy hears, she thinks she hears Xander say, uh, if, uh, oh, he wonders if uh, Wesley and Cordelia have kissed yet. And she says, oh, it's really, uh, it's really bothering you about the whole uh, Wesley Cordelia thing. And he's like, what? Huh, you read my mind. And then and, Buffy's uh, like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Buffy walks through the halls and she hears lots of people's thoughts. She hears this one guy uh, say, like, wow, Buffy's pretty hot. And at first she's like, aw. But then he's well, like, he says, first, he doesn't say she's hot. He says, Buffy is so beautiful. Oh, okay. And, um, and yeah, Buffy's like, oh, that's nice. And then it gets creepy real fast. And she's like, what yeah. the fuck? I, but the, <laughs> that moment before, it turns creepy when she like starts to show off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like a, recently I went on a, um, recently I went on a kayaking trip uh, with some friends, uh, which is a good social distancing activity. Because uh, you can hang out, but still like be uh, six feet apart. Uh, especially if you're bad at kayaking like I was. But, um, oh my god, I was just having flashbacks to when we went kayaking like a, a year or two back for uh, yeah. for Grace's birthday. Grace's birthday. <laughs> that was fun. But the, uh, yeah, uh, my friend um, 
I don't know if she like me sharing her name, but my friend, uh, she was also, she was in a kayak next to me. And uh, as we were uh, paddling, after we just got into the water, there were a lot of people gathered at that dock. And we, as we were paddling away, this one guy says like, oh, honey, why don't you paddle on over here? And, and at first I felt like really embarrassed for her. But then she said, gosh, I can't believe he said that. I mean, maybe after a couple drinks or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. So I guess I guess it was just a nice thing before it immediately turned creepy. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess there's so much bad uh, cat calling and stuff that I don't know it, it. It's a nice like little refreshing thing when uh, when somebody's actually uh, when somebody's actually complimented by it. But again, like don't don't take it to an extreme. Don't make it uncomfortable. Um, be a person, not yeah. a creep. Yeah, exactly. Don't be a creep. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Buffy realizes that she can hear people's thoughts. And uh, so she goes to uh, Giles, because that's what you do first. You go to Giles. And and uh, at first Giles says, well, I don't think this is actually telepathy. This could just be you projecting your thoughts. And she says... <laughs> When I walked in, you looked in my shoes and said and thought to yourself, "Wow, she if she'd wear a pair of cats on her feet if a fashion magazine told her to." <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Which might be even though Giles didn't say it, that might be his line of the episode. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Um so one thing I learned from the uh from the commentary is originally they had planned for uh, for the mind reading, it would be um, all of the voices Buffy heard. Sarah Michelle Geller would voice them all. They would all be she would all hear them in her own huh. uh, her own voice, and that was written that way specifically so that to kind of um, uh, to explain why Buffy um, couldn't didn't know who she heard uh, say they were going to kill everyone. Um, but I think, I don't even think they ever even got as far as like recording those, like having Sarah Michelle Geller record them. I think pretty early on they were like, no, it should be everyone doing their own. Cause that's just going to sound better. Um, and I agree. I like, I think of Cordelia specifically. I just don't think the, that that beat would have worked. It and would also not have been when, um, as funny. And also way. when she has the cacophony of voices later mm-hmm. in the episode, it definitely has a better effect when it's all the different voices and not yeah. just her voice. Because I'm imagining that now and it, it it seems weird. It's cac- I mean, it's still cacophony, but it's it's like it's the wrong kind. It's yeah. like it's um you know, what we get is, like, disorienting, and that would be, I think, confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, which are, you know, similar, but, you know, one's a better effect for a TV show. Agreed. Um, and, uh, uh, do we go to the class next? Yes. Now okay. we're in English class, and this might be the most of an actual school work discussion <laughs> that is ever present in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. The the closest I'm thinking of is in uh the flashbacks in um 
out of sight, out of or out of mind, out of sight in season one, uh, when uh, Clea Duvall's turning invisible in in the middle of a class. Oh yeah. Um, so I learned from Jane uh, while <laughs> she was talking to me today. Um, yeah. One way. Honestly, if you were personal <laughs> friends with Jane Esmondson and didn't tell me, I, <laughs> quarantine be damned, I'd come over and punch you right in the face. That's fair. No, that's fair. I'd risk COVID um, for just that. Just wash your hands. That's all that I ask. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll have my trusty bottle of hand sanitizer <laughs> at the at the ready. Um, but yeah, no. Originally, she wrote this. The first draft of it was a um, uh, it was a history class, and they were talking about uh, Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, and then they changed it to. Othello. A lit, um, well, there was a second version where it was a oh, lit okay. class, and they were talking about um, Catcher in the Rye. Um, and then I think it was, she said it was Joss Whedon who suggested, how, why, why don't we try to find a way to tie this classroom discussion into what's going on with her and Angel thematically, which led to the Othello discussion, which um, And you could also say really kind well. of faith as well. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. faith is faith is definitely the dark half of the Slayer side of things. Mm. So, um, yeah, I love though. But before it gets a little more serious to the angel side of things, I just I love 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 how um, how quickly Buffy's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna rock this class, <laughs> like, and then yeah, they... and it and it makes me <laughs> it makes me feel a little bad because she technically is cheating. I, it's true but it's also a class discussion so yeah but this doesn't uh wh- what's the name of the girl that she's stealing all these answers from nancy yeah this is a uh, like nancy can't be faulted for not having a high opinion of Buffy I, following this i love nancy i think nancy's hilarious she's so pissed and even willow gets a little mad and she's like um, she has that line where, or she has the thought line where she's, uh, Buffy did the reading. Buffy understood the reading. And yeah. I was like, I was like, ooh, Willow. And of course, cold. Xander's like, oh, wait <laughs> a minute, <laughs> study? Were we supposed to study? I'm like, come <laughs> on, man. God, why are you so bad at everything? I'm By the way, willing... int- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say an interesting thing. Uh, Nancy's last name is Doyle, which, yeah. uh, is famously um wow what now i'm forgetting the actor's name danny strong's character's name in gilmore girls yeah uh oh doyle i love doyle yep um oh you still got that usb hub though i do i need to return this to you (laughs) (laughs) i just kind of picked it up because i always need to be doing something with my hands Uh, and it would be inappropriate to to jerk off while we were doing this um i'll save that for my only fans uh, <laughs> <laughs> subscribe today <laughs> um yeah um there's uh i i was gonna say i i'm willing to give buffy a little bit of a pass on the the fact that she you know yes technically is cheating but listen she's got a lot on her plate she doesn't get to study very often because you know she's saving the world yeah so i'm uh i'm i'll give her a pass i do love when she's um 
Uh, she clearly picks up the word spurious from the teacher's <laughs> mind and very obviously doesn't know what it means. <laughs> like, I thought that was I will hilarious. say, this is the most excited that Buffy has ever been about schoolwork. Yeah. I think ever. Um, we saw her back in the Praying Mantis episode uh, <laughs> get a little excited. That's the thing. I think Buffy is would be, like, because we know Buffy's smart. Yeah. Um, I think Buffy, like... I think Buffy would do better in school and would have a better outlook on school and would get excited about school, um, like the the school work of it, um, mm-hmm. if she could. I think that's like the thing that she has to uh, put aside, which is sad. Yeah. Um, and we do see that a little bit in um, uh, in the co- when she's in college. Um, yeah. I remember there's one episode where she. Um, she kind of laments that there's a class that she really likes, but she's not doing well in it because she doesn't have the time to properly put in the work um, because of her calling, which is mm-hmm. sad. Now I'm very sad. <laughs> uh, we also, in this classroom, so we've met Nancy. Uh, we also uh, are introduced to Freddie. Uh, who writes the editorials for the school newspaper and uh, is just, like, the worst kind of, like, cynic. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he's... It's like if you put an emo kid in charge of the... in charge yeah. of the school newspaper. <laughs> oh, I, I I find Freddy so grating. Like, he only has, like, three scenes in the whole fucking episode, but every time he's on screen, I'm just like, ugh. He's, he's the kid I would not have gotten along with in high school at all. Yeah, so uh, Buffy decides that the first thing she wants to use her mm-hmm. power on, besides uh, schoolwork, yeah. is uh, besides a discussion of Othello, is um, is she wants to see what's going on in Angel's mind, because yep. she does not want to ask him. Yep. <laughs> and she gets this idea directly from the teacher, because the teacher just goes on this, like... like um, still talking about Othello, she's like, how can you ever really trust, like, your partner and what's going on in their head? And Buffy's like, hold on a minute. If you could read minds, you could. But yeah, so she's trying to basically get, like, she brings up Faith as soon as she can. And yeah, and Angel, and I love David Boreanaz in this scene because... Buffy's just trying over and over again, just kind of wheedle towards it. Yeah. And Angel's just keeping a completely straight face. And then he just looks over and says, you can't read my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. And I love how close Buffy is to him. She is like, she has like totally invaded his personal bubble. Like she's like right up on in his face. Like, and I'm like, Buffy, it's not going to help you read his mind. (laughs) any easier (laughs) she doesn't know the logistics of it right now true that's true um but she uh yeah she ends up saying and and uh angel realizes what she's doing and so that's when he makes his comment about thoughts are like reflections you can't see them can't hear them and then they finally talk it out as best they can and angel is telling her (laughs) Angel has a really nice moment when in the fact that like he's been alive for well alive for 243 <laughs> years that there's only one person he's ever loved and I, I and I really do think 
I really do think that Buffy has been freaking out a little too much about Angel mm-hmm. possibly being attracted to Faith. Um, I understand the freaking out about seeing him pretend to be Angelus, but it, it just seems like there hasn't been any indication that he'd be willing to show loyalty to, or attraction to Faith over Buffy. Uh, but yeah. then again, I also have to remind myself, Buffy's in high school. Sarah yep. Michelle Geller clearly isn't in this, uh, <laughs> but Buffy is. Um, yeah, that is the uh, dissonance you have to go through sometimes. But yeah, um, so nice little moments with uh, Buffy and Angel. Yeah, and uh, Angel warns her, you know, he basically tells her, like, be careful what you wish for, like, this, you know, trust me, this may seem like a gift, but it could be a curse, and she's like, like, immortality, and he says, yeah, I'm dying to get rid of that, and she's like, funny, and he just totally deadpan i'm a funny guy (laughs) (laughs) Um, he is (laughs) uh love that um i i love when angel gets to play some comedic beats because we don't get those uh uh, at least not on buffy he gets to play with that a lot more yeah uh, Yeah, but he's got to be the broody guy on buffy yeah um but yeah and then uh so Giles has made everyone aware of Buffy's new power, and you have different reactions from everybody. Willow immediately should we just go, go through the. I was to say, should we yeah. just go through them one by yeah. one? Willow immediately goes into panic mode because <laughs> she thinks, "Oh gosh, she's not even she's she's not even human now. Does she even need me?" And Buffy immediately reassures her that, "Hey, I need you." Xander, of course. Proves the point that so many people make that high schoolers only think about sex and goes on a very fast track to imagining Buffy being naked. And this is after he solves problems incorrectly in his head because all of his multiplication is wrong. Dude, I didn't even notice that. I No, he says like five times six is thirty-two, and like it's not. I, I really I wasn't paying close attention to what the actual calculations were, so but you're, um, you're wrong. Um, I um, and, and and Cordelia just has the great line, "I'm bored. When can I leave?" And she's like, "I'm bored. When can I leave?" Yeah. Uh, Oz gets really philosophical, uh, which is reference in in the episodes in our episodes intro. Yeah. And then, but the best part of it though is he has this like it's it's probably the longest line that Oz has ever had that he thinks about as he said like if I am my thoughts and Buffy hears my thoughts then I am my thoughts and Buffy is me I blah 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 <laughs> but out loud he just goes hmm. huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I love and I love when uh when Buffy goes back to Willow and Willow just says she can hear what Oz is thinking soon she'll know Oz better than I do and then it cuts back to Oz and he continues this tangent like <laughs> do any of us exist Cause, or is Buffy all of us? <laughs> <laughs> so. I think therefore Buffy is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that is that one is really good. Yeah. Um, and then of course Wesley shows up and... Oh boy, keeps thinking about Cordelia, and as he's doing it, Buffy's just giving this sly look, and he says, excuse me, and walks away. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) And and also, at some point, it was was right after his um, sex thoughts, Xander has fled, 
um, <laughs> when Buffy calls him on it. And I love when Giles is like, Xander has just illustrated uh, a great point <laughs> that naturally we're all going to immediately start thinking the things we don't want Buffy to hear. I love when, uh, I love when Wesley sticks his head out of that uh, back room door and says, can you hear my thoughts from back here? <laughs> yeah. Should I go away? Um, she, yes, but uh, that, that is, that is the, uh, that is, of course, the most comedic moment in this episode. Yeah. That's, I, I think Jane Espenson had that scene in mind when she first came up with the idea for the episode. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, she's got to hear everybody, the whole Scooby Gang's thoughts. Yeah. Um, and it's so, they're all perfect. Like, they are all perfectly yeah. in character. I, I love it. Um, but I think this, we, do, uh, we do get one more Cordelia uh, line, because she's, like, the last one left in the library with Buffy and Giles. And we just hear her thinking, like, uh, I'm gonna leave. This has nothing to do with me. And out loud, she just goes, "This has nothing to do with me. Can I go, please?" <laughs> <laughs> like, um, oh, I do enjoy seeing Cordelia. You know, we've seen her kind of slowly coming back into the fold, but I think this is the most she's been involved uh, with the gang since uh, since the lovers walk incident. Um, yeah. So I love seeing her uh, uh, back back on the case with the scoobies and it's great how she's i mean she's not as uh she's not as accepting or as she doesn't take part in much she's kind of outwardly she's very much the season one cordelia character mm-hmm. but uh, you know you just know that inward she's uh, she's thinking i'm happy to be back with this yeah we um. know we know cordelia <laughs> but yeah and then um then of course this thing to this thing clearly soon becomes a curse because yeah. Buffy starts hearing all the thoughts at once and then everything gets quiet while she's in the cafeteria and she hears this time tomorrow I'll kill you all. Yep. And uh, this causes Buffy, the, the cacophony comes back once again and then Buffy passes out. Yeah. It's really well done. The camera work, um, you've got this like spinning around Buffy but also like a spinning from Buffy's point of view that yeah. cut back and forth. It's um, with the um, with the sound ed- uh, the sound editing, uh, a sound mixing of all the, the the voices combined with that camera work. It's really disorienting. Um, it does a really good job of kind of putting you, the viewer, into Buffy's head. And it's I, also I love it. also that's also just that voice that says "I'll kill you all." It was. It was mixed extremely well. Mm-hmm. Like it was so creepy. Yeah, like, it's very it, creepy. Yeah, like very effective. Um, Buffy wakes up and uh, it's basically the Scoobies who are trying to make sure, like, hey, everything all right? And that's when most uh, Buff- of the Scoobies are. Um, I don't know if you heard this because it's actually pretty quiet, but I, I, I had never caught it before. Um, Cordelia is cold. Um, when you get all the Scooby's thoughts, they're all like, oh my God, is she okay? But you can just hear it mixed in there, Cordelia going, I'm cold. Um, (laughs) And then later on, you get it again and you hear her going, I'm not getting any warmer. (laughs) I don't think I ever noticed that. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) a lot softer than the, frankly, more important thoughts that we're hearing. But it's there and it is. That's hilarious. It's really funny. Um, Buffy tells everybody um, that oh somebody's gonna somebody in the cafeteria is trying to kill um, 
is trying to kill people. Like they're gonna tomorrow they're gonna try to kill everybody in the school with mm-hmm. and and Xander by coming up with the stupidest idea, he actually gets it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, that the is one of my favorite The stupidest things bits. that Xander does in this episode turn out to be the most important things right. in this episode. <laughs> um, and that really, uh, I think in another episode that would have, uh, that would maybe annoy me a little more, but it works for me here because the stuff with Jonathan is so heavy. Yeah. Um, that it is, nice that the the um the actual threat um turns i don't want to say silly because i don't think a lunch lady uh poisoning an entire school is uh silly but it's um in retrospect compared to everything else yeah it is um it's very uh the, the way it plays out is done well because it doesn't it's not competing with the Jonathan stuff. We don't have two really serious things going on that's pulling our focus both ways. We can just really focus on Jonathan and what he's going through. And then this silly thing is happening over here and that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Giles basically tells Buffy to go home. Um, and like, just, you shouldn't be here. You should just stay away from all of these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, then Giles sets off to go try to find a cure, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Buffy does hear, "Oh, if she if we can't stop this, she'll go insane," yeah. and that freaks her out. So Buffy yeah. goes home, and uh, this before she be- leaves, though, she does go briefly into like um, like general mode and starts giving orders to the rest of them, like, "This is what I need you all to do for me." Um, this then I love gives it. Willow the. Uh, the onus to go into general mode as well. Yeah. I love and, this. I love I love Willow um uh picking up the slack for Buffy when Buffy's uh out of the picture for whatever reason. Absolutely true friend. But before we get into that, we have Joyce. to talk about this scene that <laughs> I I taught when we did band candy, I said at the very end that we would get a little bit of payoff later on in the season. I am a man of my word. And <laughs> here's Buffy finding out the truth that Joyce and Giles not only had sex in the episode of Band Candy, they did it twice on the hood of a police car. It is so beautifully done because you've got this bit where Joyce is, you know, of course, Joyce wants to take care of Buffy. She wants to make sure she's okay. Um, but she, you can tell she's like, Please don't read my thoughts. Please don't read my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then, um, but it's, it's too late. And we, and it's great because, uh, the way they do it, we don't actually hear what Joyce is thinking. We just get it from Buffy's, or, um, or I guess really we're getting it from Joyce's perspective of Buffy, like, you had sex with Giles? And then Buffy's, and Joyce is like, yeah, it was the candy. We were teenagers. And like, and just like fleeing. Um, it's really funny, this, uh, why this scene exists. Um, so Jane Espenson also wrote Band Candy, as we talked about uh, famously in our Band Candy episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently after Band Candy, like all the like fans, there was a lot of discussion amongst fans of 
did they or didn't they? And Jane Espenson was like, I feel like I was pretty clear that they did. Um, <laughs> but so just she made, in case. No, she made a point to write this scene. So, like, she was like, I did not want any ambiguity. I wanted <laughs> everyone to know. Um, she, she, she actually said on the commentary, she was like, I needed America to know <laughs> that, <laughs> that they did. Um, and, and then I like that she takes it just a little further even. Uh, and we get to know that they did it twice. Um, which, good for them. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, good, good job on Giles for uh, being able to do That's it two stamina. times. Yeah, <laughs> especially at his age. <laughs> oh. Um. But, uh, no, nah, yeah, no, like, sorry, Anthony Head. <laughs> but, um, anyway, um. I feel like we talked enough about sex in the last week's episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that now, was an as, we edit. as we mentioned before, uh, um, Willow is basically taking general mode and handing out like these. And it's great because she's got the forcefulness of Buffy that she's trying to emulate, but at the same time, she's like, oh, and. Make sure that you get yeah. like right, right, very neatly, <laughs> and She's very, uh, very orderly about it. Like, yeah. So she gives a she gives basically a list of questions for uh, for the group to ask um, any potential suspects, mm-hmm. and there it's uh it's questions um that she got from like the FBI website or something about like like yeah, identifying was... sociopaths or uh, yes. something. Yes, <laughs> and it okay. leads to some. It leads to some really great. It leads to a really great montage. Um, uh, I love when Oz is talking to Hogan, and he's like, "Oh, is yeah. this for the school paper?" And he, he's like, "Oh, does the does the feel does the responsibility of having to be such a huge person in high school uh, make you stress you out? Like, what kind of level of stress does it give you?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'd say moderate. I really want to get this right." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, Cordelia just end. walks into the teacher that Buffy heard earlier. Yeah. And Are says, you planning on killing a bunch of people tomorrow? <laughs> oh, it's for the yearbook. <laughs> Xander goes uh. into full Chad mode and basically just makes a dating questionnaire for these girls. Yeah. Oh, um, I hope he didn't get any dates. He and did. I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure he didn't. <laughs> um, Willow. Uh, interrogates Jonathan just like she did in uh, Go Fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor Jonathan. And um, Oz also look, goes to look for... Or, oh, and Will, Willow also questions uh, Nancy. Yeah. Um, and then Oz looks for uh, Freddy but can't find him because uh, he's uh, hiding. Freddy is hiding from Oz. We also see... Um, uh, the headlines on some of the framed papers in the newspaper office. And one of them, my absolute fucking favorite, is um, Apathy on the Rise, No One Cares. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's just fucking hilarious. Um, Giles, uh, Giles has a... Um, Giles making a potion that is supposed to help Buffy and we'll stop this but he does need the uh he does need the heart of the remaining demon and he's like well we don't have the slayer to do it 
And so Angel has absolutely no problems uh, yeah. He's signing like, yeah, up I'll for rip this. that demon's heart out. He Fuck already yeah. gave his heart to Buffy. Now he's giving her another heart. <laughs> Girl doesn't have enough hearts. First, yeah, and um, I gave her my metaphorical heart. Then I gave her a metal one in a form of a ring. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna puree one in a blender and feed it to her. Hell That's yeah. love, people. That is love. You you don't love somebody unless you puree a heart for them. He <laughs> also gave Drusilla a heart um when he was angelus so oh yeah just uh there's a theme here of yeah giving angel knows what the ladies want um <laughs> he uh so he I, I actually <laughs> i'm just imagining like like a really cheesy like valentine's day commercial like get her a gift straight from your heart it's a heart. <laughs> Straight to the heart, Leroy's jewelers. Anyway, um, um. <laughs> I wonder if anybody remembers that ad. Um, but uh, yeah, so Angel actually, he is booking it, it to mm-hmm. the point where he has to wear a blanket over himself um, to uh, get to Buffy's house because it's the middle of the day. And he comes in like with steam and smoke coming off mm-hmm. of him but and uh they're able to give the uh potion to buffy yeah it looks so cool because it's like fluorescent yeah um and but it also has like chunks in it um like <laughs> so it's like i want to look at it but i don't want to drink it <laughs> yeah uh unfortunately buffy has to drink it um, yeah then we get the uh the scoobies managed to they've you know collated their notes um oh we also did sorry we skipped over this um we also uh xander also interviewed larry oh um, yeah larry's one scene is uh we learned out and proud out and proud having a great time and you know what i say to that fuck yeah go larry um xander you need to work on your gay panic just chill just chill the fuck out um, I mean, it was the 90s, and it was the late 90s, yeah. and that was all about the gay panic, unfortunately. I do remember when I first watched this episode, though, when he was interviewing Larry, being a little um, worried that it was going to be Larry, and that it was going to be, like, a um, an angry at the world because I'm this, I've got this gay repression, and um so then when he's like i'm fucking out and proud my grandma's hooking me up i was like i fucking love that that is fantastic it is Um, it's it's one of the first signs of just uh of how queer positive buffy tries to be yeah um and it'll that'll come into effect a lot later in the series but we'll get to that at another time um uh, you know what other show i was talking with john about this the other day because i've been uh rewatching um uh it as i've already talked uh that's the doctor who revival even from the even in 2005 was so queer um yeah uh and um so i I mentioned i've been watching series 12 but i also got on a weird uh a couple days ago i was like you know what episode i really want to watch i want to watch the uh the library two-parter um because that's a great episode and i watched it and then i was like you know what i really want to do I really just want to watch the River Song arc right now. Just watch all the episodes with River in them. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, eh, I... Sorry, season six, the River Song arc falls apart. It does. But the character is still... Alex Kingston is still super charming. Right. She she does her best with what she's given. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, so just been watching a lot of Doctor Who, so which is also just like so queer. Um, and it was actually it came up. John and I were talking about it when I was watching one of the River episodes, and I was like. He was like, do you think they'll ever bring River back for to meet the 13th Doctor? And I was like, they don't really need to. I think River had a really good, like, cap to her arc in her final episode with Peter yeah. Capaldi. Because um, then that leads into her first appearance, the right. library episode. Um, and they made it pretty clear that she did not know any Doctors past Peter Capaldi. But then I was, I, I was like, but you know what? At the same time, like, Doctor Who is consistently going like... Yeah, it would be it, writing if, its own continuity. And... If it happens and it's done well, go for it. Yeah. I think for me, like, I'd fine if it never happens, but I do would love to see, like, uh, I'd love to see Alex Kingston and Jodie Whittaker's chemistry because I bet it would be off the charts. I was about to make a comment about something that happened in series 12 and then realize, oh, wait a minute, that would be a huge spoiler to somebody who hasn't seen it and wants to watch it. <laughs> so we're going to skip over that. Um, it's not only Buffy spoilers we're avoiding Um, but uh, yeah so the Scoobies actually are able to find Freddy who had been hiding from them and he thinks that he was specifically hiding from Oz as it turns out yeah it turns out and and apparently he wrote a uh, he wrote a review about Dingo's Ate My Baby and he wrote that Oh, the members of Dingo's Ate My Baby play their instruments like they like they have sausages taped to their hands, taped to their fingers. Oz reads that and says, "No, it's fair." <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but then they find a letter on Freddy's desk that's uh, talking about, um, "Oh, you'll know why I did it," uh, and it's from Jonathan and. Uh, Buffy, that's right when Buffy shows up and she says, all right, everybody look for Jonathan. And, um, while this is happening, Jonathan is putting together a rifle and he's at the, uh, he's in like inside the clock tower. So it has a Mm -hmm. view over the, one of the quads of the high school. Yeah. And, Um, uh, they built this clock tower for this episode. Uh, the school yeah, because I don't shot. remember. It's never been there before. Yeah. <laughs> um, the school where they shot at uh, Torrance High School doesn't have a clock tower, so they actually had to like build that. Um, and then they also built they built two. They built one like on the school, um, and then the one where the scene takes place. Yeah, they yeah, and they built yeah. Um, so any shots of them like inside of it, like looking down on the quad, is they're actually up there. And then they had one on a sound stage where they they filmed the majority of it, which I thought was kind of cool. And this um, is, and, and this is, uh, so Buffy sees him up in the tower and she then parkours the shit out of this. Right. And, and Nancy's furious. Yeah. Nancy looks at that and says, I could have done that. <laughs> like, I love Nancy. I wish, yeah. I, I like, I wish we I think had we've more all Nancy. Had, I think we've all had days where we've been Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's also a great th- thing that I hadn't noticed, but Jane Espenson points out that there's a montage of everyone looking for Jonathan, and um, Cordelia is specifically targeting people with striped T-shirts who yeah. are short, and like, and she's turning them around to look at them to see <laughs> yeah. if it's him. Yeah, and one of them, she like, it's really funny because she like grabs him and like stares at his face for a couple seconds, 
um, almost like she's like, I don't quite remember what Jonathan looks like, so I'm just like, <laughs> gotta, gotta, um, uh, but yeah, but, Buffy does find Jonathan in the clock tower, and this is, this is pretty much like the, the big meat and potatoes of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan, it's a powerful scene. Yeah, and Jonathan goes on about how people have just been ignoring him, and the fact that I mean, he's short, and he doesn't really do anything, um, like any activities or anything like that. So, uh, and Buffy tries to, uh, like, say, hey, I mean, it's all right. Like, it's not that bad. And, And she's like, I can relate to you. This leads to Jonathan saying, like, oh, yeah, pressures of being pretty and athletic must weigh pretty heavy on you. And that pisses Buffy off mm-hmm. to the point where she says, hey, you know what? Everybody else down there, they ignore you because they're they're dealing with their own shit. Mm-hmm. And like you you'll never understand it. And that's that's like my big takeaway from this episode. And I think it's one of the most important lessons that you can ever learn. You yeah. never know what somebody else is going through. Uh, yeah. Like unless you, unless you know them intimately well and they share your stuff with you, and mm-hmm. even then they could still be holding stuff back. Yeah. But, I mean, you you pass by somebody on the street, like, like you uh you bump into somebody and you're immediately like, oh fuck that guy, but or yeah. or just anything, any interaction, um, with somebody that you might not that might not be favorable, you don't know what somebody's going through yeah. and. That's illustrated really, really well um, in an earlier scene. It's just one of the scenes of Buffy, like, suffering through the cacophony of noises. Yeah. Um, There's a line, there's, like, a couple lines that uh, pop out at me. Because a lot of the thoughts, as the episode goes on, we start hearing a lot darker thoughts from people. And there's one that really stood out where it's just a woman um, saying, like, saying something like, it's just one more drink and then I can quit. I think um, I've heard that one. And it really like um I remember just that that one in particular really like jumping out at me. Um and you know, Buffy is is suddenly in in people's most intimate, darkest thoughts that they are hiding from the world. Um and so she's yeah, she's able to have this empathy for this perspective that she's giving to Jonathan that um, I don't think she had before. Yeah, um, and I, and and one of the things that I learned, um, probably a lot later than I should have, but one day I did come to the realization that you know what I I think about myself, I think about every single experience that I've had, and just, I mean, thirty years old, I've had decent amount of experiences. Each one has had implications on my character mm-hmm. and how I how I act towards people, how I act in response to people. And I think a huge thing that people need to realize is that every single person has their own history. Yeah. Every single person has their own set of experiences that have influenced them one way or the other. And Mm -hmm. we don't have to be 100% empathetic. We don't have to, see somebody see every single person suffering and then rush to them and try to 
do everything we can to alleviate it. But at the same time, that's that's empathy. It's one of the most important traits that we can have as humans. We have to be able to at least see the suffering in others mm-hmm. and not try to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone one time... Um, and I'm going to butcher this, but I thought it was a really cool metaphor talking about how, um, you know, when you go about in the world, um, you know, you are viewing it from the perspective that you're the protagonist, you're the main character, you're the playable character, um, and everyone else is a supporting character or an NPC, and, um, and, but everyone in the world is, is having that exact same perspective. Exactly. Um, yes. You're... You are the NPC or extra in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, gosh, the world is a complex place. Uh, yeah, it's and it's it's something to think about. Like it, it really is something that you have to just dwell on, and when you do it, it's gonna blow your mind. Well, there's a real great bit before this revelation where Buffy is talking to him, and she just says to him, like you know I could have taken that from you already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that she lets him willingly hand it over. Um, it's a really, it's it's a powerful moment. And then she basically, you know, once the gun's out of his hand, she basically is like, dude, what the fuck were you doing? You can't kill a bunch of people just because you feel like shit. And, and Dan says, Strong, yeah. this line here, he says, like, he says, like, I would never hurt anyone. I was going to kill myself and it pulls me out of the episode a bit because he's got a big fucking hunting rifle, um, which so I actually thought about that as well. And I thought, and I basically just assumed that that was the only thing he could get a hold of. I kind of came to the same conclusion. It's kind of like when, um, Anthony Michael Hall's character in, uh, the breakfast club, um, Andrew. Yeah. Andrew, he, um, like, you find out why he was in detention is because he had a flare gun in his Mm -hmm. locker, and it went off, and he was going to use that to kill himself, because that's literally the only thing he could get a hold of. Ooh, that just seems awful. Like, a flare gun? That, ugh, I hate that. Mm. Um... Uh, by the way, I'm sorry if I just spoiled part of the Breakfast Club for anybody out I there. Think, I think that one's okay. It um, came out in 85. <laughs> we're good there. Um, and, but yeah, it's just, it's a very powerful moment. And um, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Danny, Danny Glover, what the fuck? <laughs> Danny Strong. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, Ooh, this Manhattan is a little strong. Uh, it's a little Danny strong. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, basically, I just think Sarah Michelle Gellar and Danny Strong play this. I mean, this whole scene, they've played it so well. It's so powerful. But um, this moment, this revelation in particular, um, the look of realization on Buffy's face when when she realizes what he's telling her. Um, and uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's real good. It's really good stuff. It's mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, so I, I love this uh, line from uh, the wiki. I, well, I guess before we move on, do you have any other thoughts about this this tower scene? Uh, 
No, not really. I think I, I think I kind of went on my uh, lengthy, lengthy soapbox. <laughs> no, I think it enough. was necessary. This was, I mean, this was our emotional linchpin for this episode. Yeah. Um, so I love here with the Buffy wiki. Uh, elsewhere, Xander is still looking for Jonathan in the cafeteria, and while picking at some jello, looks up and sees the overweight lunch lady putting rat poison in the student's food. Did they really um, need to say that she was overweight? Don't think they needed to say it. It, it seems unnecessary. Um, but again, this is a uh, this is yet the, this is the second <laughs> stupid thing that Xander does that ends up that ends up being <laughs> one like one of the most important things in the episode. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, this he's looking beat for... of them like staring at one another, just cutting back and forth. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just I honestly love when he's just like Jonathan. Ooh, Jello, <laughs> and then he like he sees that outside of the kitchen, and then proceeds to go into the kitchen to get right? more Jello. What What's the wrong fuck? with you, Xander? You're not supposed to do that unless you're Cordelia and you have a medically prescribed lunch back there. Um, God, but I mean, in all fairness, Xander, it, Xander does save the students in the cafeteria because yeah, the. Yeah, the woman's just pouring rat poison. Yeah, like the, a the giant ass box. It looks yeah. like a box of like powdered detergent that someone <laughs> has just put rat poison on, and that might be what it is. Um, it could be. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the lunch lady is about the lunch lady. Of course, as Xander's running out to tell everybody, she grabs a cleaver, right? <laughs> And um, she's about to just wail on Xander with yeah. it, but then Buffy shows up in time. Yeah. We get a great, um, uh, uh, like Soylent Green homage when he's like knocking the food off of everyone's uh, tables. Have you actually and... seen Soylent Green, by the way? No, I just know that's the thing from Soylent so that Green. Movie... And no, it literally is the thing from Soylent Green. That movie is literally all about building up to that finale. Because that, that's like the very end of the movie. Like yeah, that, it's, that it's is literally, how the movie ends. Yeah, it's literally just the last thing that he says. And I don't even care that I'm spoiling this for you guys. Because yeah. you, if you haven't heard it already, wow, yeah. good job if on you, that. Yeah, if you don't know the, the, the Soylent Green reference, please email us and explain explain yeah. yourself but yeah oh. like when he says soiling green is people that's it's not and that's it that's the end of the movie and everything else that leads up to that it's 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 not a good movie it's i have heard that it's definitely it literally one that... puts its entire it puts its entire reputation on that last line <laughs> and in all fairness it that line has become famous for in pop culture but yeah. you can't name a single other thing about that movie because there's nothing else in there. I'm definitely going to watch it, but it's one of those that I'm going to watch because it's like a very famous piece of film history. Yeah. I'm going to watch it for like academic reasons, not necessarily because I think it's going to be a good movie. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So Buffy shows up and is able to... Uh, Beat the crap out of the lunch lady. She has the the lunch lady's like, you're all vermin. And Buffy's like, I have a feeling this isn't going to be resolved with logic. <laughs> um, originally, I learned this today from Jane. Uh, and, from Jane. Um, and I'm glad this change was made. Originally, um, Buffy was going to keep Jonathan's gun 
and was going to like use it to fight the lunch lady um and that was like in the like the original draft and i I think it was uh jane said it was joss who was like no even in like a heroic context like i don't want buffy using a gun especially like just following that scene with jonathan uh, yeah and in a school and um which is the right call yeah absolutely the right call i have a feeling if that's if that had stayed as part of the episode i don't think this episode would have just been delayed i would have never aired (laughs) i think it would have never aired maybe it would have ended up on the dvd release um uh or be one of those things like the pilot the unaired pilot that you have to like torrent um i i think they went the absolute right choice um I don't know if you noticed this, but I definitely noticed it because... Um, uh, are, we talking, match- are we talking about the bad stunt double? Yes! Yeah. I mean, yes, the lunch lady is a larger woman. The stunt double is very thin. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, no, um, like, yeah, it's it, jarring. It norm- <laughs> yeah, it normally takes like an episode of the original series of Star Trek for me to notice stunt doubles. <laughs> But that was such a poor choice. Yeah. Jane even pointed it out on the commentary while she was watching. She was like, that didn't match. Like, it was weird. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she beats the shit out of the lunch lady. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, so then uh, it kind of leads into the whole um, Giles and Buffy. They're kind of talking about... Uh, I do love um, actually the scene that Willow and Buffy have before this, when uh, when uh, he sa- when Buffy says, "Oh yeah, well, he uh, yeah he like we talked. He stole a demon's heart and uh, made and me drink it, it me. and fed it to me. <laughs> and then we talked some more, and was like, see, that's how it should always be.' <laughs> um, but, uh, Willow is wearing a giant fluffy sweater i mean on point um and i i actually meant to mention this earlier earlier in the episode she's wearing a goddamn like cat anime face cat shirt yeah anime and, cat that's like winking yeah and xander's wearing like a christmas shirt that someone's <laughs> cummed on uh <laughs> <laughs> whoa dude <laughs> Am I wrong? I, I, no, but I just wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Neither was that shirt. Oh. Um, Xander would be the kind of person to do that, though. <laughs> listen, sometimes you don't have a towel or tissue ready. I, I just meant, like, do it unexpectedly. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah. Xander comes quickly. <laughs> like... I mean, he's had sex once. Let's give, I, uh, you know, let's let's give the the guy a break for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. We we will return to Xander's sexual stamina later. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um. And so Jonathan got suspended, um, which also and- firmly places this in the nineties. Uh, you know, today that's not a suspension. That's yeah, a that's-, that's an expulsion and uh. Unless he's very, very lucky, uh, uh, jail. Yeah. Um, probably juvenile detention because he's probably still 17. Yeah. 
Um, um, maybe. I mean, we're near the end of the senior year, so. Oh yeah, it could be. It could um, could go either way. I mean, I was since my birthday is in July. I I was seventeen when I graduated high school, but I was eighteen. Um, yeah, I know there are lots of people who are eighteen. I, um, <laughs> you so old, yeah. people. I, uh, old people, old people. Yeah, I would um, have been eighteen because I my birthday fell right in that like that spot where my parents could have. Uh, could have waited another year to start me and I would have been the oldest in my class every year, but um, they started me when I was five, so. I was in a similar situation, but they uh, but they ended up going the other way and just mm. waiting another year, so. Um, so I was, like, the oldest person in my class. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and then uh, Giles says, oh, well, now all that's done, I uh, want to do some training? And Buffy's like, yeah, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> We can work out after school if you're not too busy having sex with my mother. <laughs> um, oh, but you. Oh, but the 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 delivery of that line is so perfect. It's because she's like, it's so casual, and then like venomous. Like we can work out after school if you're not too busy having sex with my mother, and which causes Giles to walk right into a tree. Um, and there's also like a couple students like right behind them who like react visibly to that line. It's really funny. Um, you know, what would be really great is if like people who are walking behind her were like, God, you know, Buffy hangs out with the librarian a lot. And then they hear that and they're like, Whoa, (laughs) what drama's going on here? (laughs) I mean, that's definitely some gossip for a while at Sunnydale High. (laughs) Unless those guys like, got killed by vampires that night, which, you know, not inconceivable. Um, it's a, it's a beautifully, beautifully comic moment to end, uh, end the episode on. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was earshot. Yeah. That was earshot. Um, I think I've said all my trivia that I had to say. Oh, I did have one more. Uh, the name of Hogan Martin, uh, was actually, uh, someone that um, Jane Espenson went to high school with. Um, he was a gymnast, I think she said. And uh, the, he apparently has nothing in common with the character. She just really liked the name. Um, mm-hmm. It stood out to her. And she was like, I needed a name that would stand out so that later when he becomes like a suspect that you're like, oh, it's that guy. Um, so... That's all I have to say about Hogan Martin. Uh, seems That's like a nice dude. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season three, episode so eighteen. Shot. Apparently, yeah, and apparently Joss Whedon wrote two scenes in this episode. The discussion in the literature class, so all of that analyzing yeah. of Othello, and he wrote the confrontation in the clock tower between Buffy and Jonathan. Mm. So that tracks. Yeah, I yeah I do th- I do remember Jane saying that about the Othello thing that they, that he went in and rewrote that as I mentioned from the other versions that had been mm-hmm. written. Right. Um, I didn't know about the clock tower. That's cool. Yeah. Um, she did talk about you know because you know even though um it's written by Jane Espenson you know that is how writing for television works. It's it is a col- for the most part it's a collaborative effort. Right. Um, and, and, like, the stories are worked on as a group. One person writes the script, or, you know, sometimes it's more than one person. And then, again, the writer's room all work together to polish it. And um, showrunners 
frequently go in and do touch-ups and stuff. Um, and she was talking on that it was really funny that sometimes, you know, the writers would be like, someone would be like, oh, I loved this episode that you wrote, and I loved this line specifically. And the, she'd be like, oh, yeah, Joss wrote that one. Like, <laughs> 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 Which is pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, um, I think Earshot is a great episode. I think the 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 the, the humor works. The, the serious moments work. Um, I honestly, the only time I'm really taken out of it is as I discussed the um, uh, just the logistics of the gun he chose. But I can kind of I, I can easily wave that away with a that's all he could find. Um, yeah, just seemed and, to be like he raided his dad's hunting exactly uh, cabinet or something. His yeah, gun cabinet. Um, and, uh, and then of course the stunt double for the lunch lady. Yeah. Um, but also whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get too caught up on something that's like 10 seconds of screen time. Uh, I'm gonna give Earshot four out of five force fed demon hearts. There you go. Um, so I think this episode is, um, I think it, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Um, I, I, I do think that, that, that there's, like, sometimes when it feels like it doesn't all fit together mm. well. Um, I think that... I, I think that it's, it's more of a... It's better as all of its individual parts mm. instead of the sum of its parts. That's fair. And... Uh, yeah, and it, it feels a, a tad disjointed to me, tonally-wise. Um, and maybe that's just because it, like, it rockets back and forth at the end between the uh, comedy and the really heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, but like I said, I still enjoy a lot of the stuff in it. So I'm going to give it three out of five... Hopefully not rat poison jellos. <laughs> I did want some jello real bad uh, after watching it. That takes a while to make though. Um, yeah. Next time, I do have those jello molds uh, that we like never used. <laughs> um. All right. Any um any final thoughts from you, Jason? No. Um. I feel like I feel like the big stuff we got out of the way. Um. When we yeah. talked about the scene with Jonathan, and uh, yeah, like it, it, it's a very interesting episode in the fact that it deals, like it, it partially deals with Fallout from last week. Mm-hmm. So, and like I mentioned earlier on in this episode, it, um, like the story itself of the mayor's ascension is still present, especially at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just isn't the priority. Yeah. Um, cut like around like maybe 10 or 15 minutes in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, uh, listeners, uh, for joining us on Booze and Buffy. Uh, thank you to our listener. Uh, uh, we talked, we mentioned last week, Mary Beth, uh, who really, lo- really loves the earshot. I hope we did this episode justice for you. Um, and, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, uh, we will be back next week with uh, Choices, which um, is an eventful episode. Um, I, We're getting down I'm, to the nitty gritty, man. We've only got we four are. episodes left. 
I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking about choices and I was thinking about what happens in choices. And I always am shocked when I watch that episode because it feels like it is so eventful. It feels like almost like three episodes. Um, so Harrison's I'm, hyping it up for you. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I hope that like stays true. I hope I don't watch it like uh, before we record next time and be like, oh, hmm. Um, so well, yeah, choices. I'm Jason and you can find me on Instagram at yummyj357 and on Twitter at yummyj. Uh, and I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman or on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can also check out my uh, blog where I write about horror films, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com. This week I just posted my review of the 1967 Russian film V, um, which was an interesting experience to watch. (laughs) Uh, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And in both of those instances, the and is spelled out A-N-D. A-N-D. You can also find us on YouTube where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers, speaking of River Song, uh, that we can't talk about on the podcast. Um, Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please, please, please send us a nice review um, so that we can get more listeners. Oh, we, we really do appreciate all of your feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Moms Demand Action. Moms Demand Action is a grassroots movement of Americans fighting for public safety measures that can protect people from gun violence. They pass stronger gun laws and work to close the loopholes that jeopardize the safety of our families. They also work in our own communities and with business leaders to encourage a culture of responsible gun ownership. Visit www.momsdemandaction.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. If you like. Yeah, you know, whichever's good for you. Yeah. Um, The others just don't rhyme, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye. Bye.